The following audio is from Shady Grove Presbyterian Church in Rockville, Maryland. Our mission is to follow Jesus Christ and labor for his kingdom both in our area and around the world. For more information about Shady Grove Presbyterian Church, please follow our Facebook page and visit shadygrovepca.org. Good morning. If, I, uh, if you catch me yawning up here today, please don't take it personal. I don't find you boring during the sermon. I was unwillingly kept up last night to a very early hour of the morning, so I'll do my best here to focus. All righty. Well, my name, as uh, many of you already know, is uh, Scott Melson, one of the, the ruling elders here today, and Pastor Bill initially had thought he'd be out of town, and so he, he asked me to preach, so I'm thankful I am uh, still able to do so, uh, and we'll be in Romans 5 today, 1 through 5. Um, it is an absolute uh, wonderful text, as they all are. Uh, it, is, it is packed full. Um, I had the privilege of preaching this actually at, a, at another um, small congregation out in Damascus, and I, I get to preach it again. I, I think it might sound perhaps completely different because there's just so much here and, and so many different uh, directions to go. So um, if uh, you doze off, I want you to at least get out of the sermon uh, two things. <laughs> Those in Christ have peace with God and therefore rejoice. So if you remember that, you're good. Let's, uh, let's pray. We'll read God's word together, and, and then we'll be off. Great God and Heavenly Father, praise and honor and power and dominion unto you. You are our loving Father. From before the foundation of the heavens and the earth, you loved us and chose us in Christ, that you would send your one and only begotten Son into the world to become sin for us, to die upon a cross, to be raised for our justification. We thank you that by faith we receive a righteousness that is not our own, but a foreign alien righteousness, the very righteousness of Christ. We thank you that it is by your righteousness given and counted to us through faith that we are justified once and for all. We thank you that we have been made sons and daughters and that our position, our, stat our, our status before you is unchangeable for all eternity. We ask now that you would help us to understand your holy word, to understand what it is to have peace with you, and the necessary outflow of that peace in our lives. Lord, I pray that you would be with me and help me to, to simply proclaim what is in your word here, and I pray, Lord, that we would all feed upon Christ. May we be satisfied Tune our hearts to sing your praise and help us and give us grace to trust you more. In Jesus' name, amen. Romans 5, 1 through 5. Hear God's word. 
Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. Romans 5, 1 through 5. Well, something happened before this, right? A pretty amazing group of verses here, 1 through 5. We have peace with God, having been justified by faith through our Lord Jesus Christ. So as Netflix series often does, when you go into the next season or the next episode, they often give recaps. So let's, let's look at the recaps that have come before. Where does Romans, where does Paul start out in Romans 1? Well, he starts out triumphantly and, and talks about how the, the gospel is the power of God into salvation. And then he enters into a description of where man, where you and I have fallen and it's not a pretty picture. Romans 1 is, is pretty hard-hitting. Uh, it doesn't pull any punches, and we don't look very good at the end of Romans 1, do we? Uh, we are at enmity with God. It says that God's wrath is shown from heaven. <laughs> the wrath of God is on display every moment against the unrighteousness of men who, unri- who do unrighteous deeds. That is the plight of the world. When Adam fell into sin, we sinned. Our sin necessitates the righteous wrath and judgment of God. Now, we don't all necessarily like to hear this. Uh, I was told by somebody, uh, (laughs) I'm a love, I'm a God is love guy, you know? I want to focus on this wrath stuff. Well, that's fine. Um, but you know what? I'm a God is love guy too. And, and God is also wrathful towards sin. And it's only because God is a God of love that he is a God who is wrathful towards sin. Uh, we don't need to do this by a show of hands, but who among us would love to live under a dictator who has absolutely no regard for justice? Would anybody love to live in such a country? where criminals and wickedness run rampant, where the victims are not a, are, are, have, have no justice, are run over, and where injustice and unrighteousness has free reign and no repercussions. Any, would anybody love that? I don't know anybody who would love to live in a situation or under a regime like that. I would imagine even a criminal has some area or some boundary marker where they want some kind of relief from injustice, even if it's just for themselves. So, in essence, we all at some point draw a line in the sand. Do we not? (laughs) So while we may not like to hear that God is wrathful towards sin, it is a good thing for you that God is wrathful towards sin (laughs) at the end of the day. (laughs) The bad thing is that we are sinful. 
and that we are sinners, and therefore God's wrath rightfully uh, finds us as its target. Because God is a good and holy God, sin has to, absolutely has to be punished. And so we find ourselves toe-to-toe with the God of all creation, a holy and good God. There is no one so tender, no one so merciful, no one so loving as our God. And yet there is no one so wrathful against sin as our God. In Romans 1 we find out, and in Romans 2 and 3 we find out that there is no one who does righteous no, not one. Contrary to the, 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 the doctrines of self-love in our day, the Word of God tells us that, no, the answer is not in ourselves. We have all turned aside, and every one of us has become what? Anybody know that, that buzzword that we are given and assigned? Worthless. Beloved, you and I, outside of Christ, have become worthless due our sin and unrighteousness. We have abandoned the purpose for which we were created, which is to glorify and enjoy God. We have hated God. We have rebelled against God and therefore have become worthless before God. God's wrath rightly expresses itself and is unleashed towards ungodly. And so once was you and I. So where does that leave us? That doesn't sound like a happy ending at this point. That Paul in Romans 1 and in following chapters presents us with an insurmountable problem. If God is good and God's wrath must need... <laughs> show itself and be poured out against sin, and you and I are sinful, where does that leave us? Well, perhaps there's something that we can do to remedy this, this breach, this problem that we face before God. Perhaps it's obedience. Perhaps it's making amends by some good, righteous deed that we can do. Well, Paul takes that argument away from us. There is not only none that does righteous, but the, the, the law itself, obedience to the law that God gives, there's no ladder available to us up to God to restore that relationship, to avert the impending wrath that is due us for our sin. We've blown it. And because we've blown it, we deserve God's punishment and wrath, and there is nothing that we can do to repair the initial blown it stage. <laughs> we can't undo what has been done to a holy and infinite God. We are starting out in the negative, in the red. Paul says that by the works of the law, no one can be justified. Has any of us tried to, you know, speaking of, of resolutions, I am resolved to make no resolutions, which I will fail in that itself. 
I can't get through January 1st without screwing up. Um, I just can't. How in the world could, could, get, could, could commandments be a means by which you and I could curry favor with God and restore a position of righteousness, a, a position of being justified before God? If you're honest with yourself, which I know, I, I imagine not one person here looking in the mirror would ever think that, that they can get through one day without screwing something up. Even if you're a narcissist, you know, like, you, there are chinks in your armor, right? You, some, somewhere here and there, you're going to find something. So it's a long introduction. In Romans 1 and 2 and even 3, we are basically placed in an impossible, an impossible position where there is absolutely zero chance that we can get out from under the wrath and condemnation of God that justly falls on us. But you know what? This same God who is wrathful towards sin loved sinners so much that he provided a way out. In Romans 4, he talks about how there was a promise given to Abraham. And remember back in, in Abraham, or in Abraham, in Genesis 15, we see the Abrahamic covenant. And Paul points back to this. And he talks about Abraham was justified by faith. He was not justified by works. He didn't restore a relationship with the God of heaven and earth through any kind of obedience through any kind of act on his, on his own. There was nothing that he could do to restore or earn God's favor. Rather, Paul says that he received the sign of circumcision as a sign of the righteousness that he had by faith prior to being circumcised. That is, he believed God prior to any sign of a covenant between himself and Almighty God of righteousness. He received, a, he received justification by faith prior to this sign so that you and I who believe in Christ afterwards might have that justification by faith who are not circumcised in the flesh as Abraham received afterwards. So that justification might be received by a pro, or on on, according to the promise and not according to any sign that whether it be baptism or any outward sign that somebody might receive or uh, any heritage that somebody might be born into God promised that justification should be obtained through faith alone that it might rest upon a promise and not upon a human act or sign and that's where we're dumped off in chapter 5, verse 4, or chapter 4, 20 on, it says, No distrust made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his sake alone, 
but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. There is absolutely nothing we can do to be justified before God. What does justified mean? It means to be made right, to be declared righteous before God. And if you and I as sinners are under condemnation and under his wrath, we are in a state of condemnation. We have, we have to be placed, we have to be transferred from a state of condemnation into a state of justification. And from a state of fallenness into a state of grace. It is something that we can't do ourselves, but God has done in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God. Justified by faith. So it is not of works. It is of faith and faith alone. It is by faith that you and I receive the righteousness of God. The absolute perfection and righteousness of God is revealed, or the, right, the absolute righteousness and, and um, the absolute righteousness of God, that is that which only puts us in a state of justification, is a gift by God and is received through faith. God gives us faith to believe in Christ Jesus and to receive this righteousness of God. As we receive this righteousness by faith, we have peace with God. I don't know if there is any greater, any greater declaration, any greater truth that you and I can hear but that we are at peace with God. Apart from God's grace, apart from His saving grace and bestowal of saving faith, you and I are at odds with the Most High God and are liable and will absolutely be recipients of His wrath. But His love is so great that He sent the Lord Jesus Christ to die for our sins that we might receive forgiveness, but not only that, but that we may receive that which is absolutely necessary to put us in a state of grace, to transfer us from a state of condemnation into an eternal state of peace and acceptance with God. It is that God who loves us so much, who sent Christ, gifts us the grace of faith, and, and takes us out of a state of condemnation into peace. It is through the faith in Christ that we receive justification that we have peace with God. No longer at odds with God, but we have full acceptance and peace with the holy, holy God. And this peace is obtained through Christ alone. There's absolutely nothing that you and I have, can, or will ever do 
to establish or to maintain this state of peace and justification. When you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you were transferred out of a state of condemnation and placed into a state of peace. Can you imagine that? We, I mean, we just we talk about that every single Sunday, right? I mean, in one way or another. We come here and glorify the triune God because He has saved us from our sins and has made us a part of the family of God. But can you imagine? We were taken out of a horrific <laughs> state, a horrific position, and we have been placed in an unbelievable unbelievable, unfathomable state of peace with God. Those once enemies are now at peace and are now friends, are now the children of God. And this, this peace that we have is through the Lord Jesus Christ. It is through our unity with Christ and that unity alone that we have peace. With God. It is through Him we have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. What is this access of faith? Well, Paul talks about having access later in, in uh, Romans, and I believe it's in Colossians, or maybe it's another one of those C books. But we have access to come before God our Father. See, we're we're brought into this state of peace, this state of justification. The righteousness that is by faith is as we're united by faith to Christ. It is a once for all. We are justified once through faith in Christ, and yet we are continually granted access to God. We can continually come to Him by faith because of the mediatory work of Christ. It is an ongoing work of Christ that secures and continually allows us to continually come before God our Father. It is because of the continuous mediatorial work of Christ that we with confidence come and draw near to God, both now and unto all eternity. Christ does not leave off His work in a sense whereby He is our mediator simply by upon our coming to Him, but He remains our mediator, our mediator from, unto, from now and unto all eternity. Christ maintains our, state, our status of peace with God. And it is because Christ is before the throne of God in heaven, pleading for us and praying for us, that we will always be secure and always have that peace and confidence to draw near to God. What is a, a necessary consequence of this peace that we have with God? What is a necessary outflow that ought to, to flow out from you and I but rejoicing? The one who has been forgiven much the one who has been transferred into a state as a status of peace must needs rejoice. 
There is no greater news that we can have but that we have been made one with Christ by faith and are now a part of the children of God. Enemies now made friends forever. There is is no greater news that you or I can hear but that we have peace with God. He is our Father. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't, it really doesn't matter what happens after that. This life is fleeting. Its sufferings are fleeting. Its riches are fleeting. Jeff Bezos, Elon Musk can shoot rockets off to the moon. They can amass billions and billions of dollars. Nations can accumulate wealth and land. Dictators can accumulate subjects new territories, but you know what? If they don't have Christ, they have absolutely nothing. They have withering treasures that are destined to pass away. Without Christ, they don't have peace with God. Without Christ, the richest man, the richest woman, the most powerful man, the most powerful woman is only storing up wrath for themselves. They are only incurring greater judgment and condemnation for the day of wrath. There is no peace between themselves and the God of heaven and earth before whom they must stand and give an account for every word and every deed that was done in this life. The most lowly, loathsome individual Even you and I, who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, are given a God-righteousness. You see, we're not just given a perfect slate. We're given a perfection that is God's perfection alone and is transferred to flesh by faith alone in Christ alone that secures us peace with the Almighty God. In this, we can rejoice, having obtained access into this grace. We rejoice in this hope, the hope of the glory of God. What is this hope that we have? Is it not the hope that one day, as redeemed children of God, that we will behold him as he truly is, with unveiled face, with unveiled eyes. Right now, if you and I were to see God, we would just poof. We can't behold his sight. But one day that promise, one day that hope that we have will, will be consummated when Christ comes again. We will see God. And as we see Him, we will be in an instant transformed into His likeness. We are at peace with God and therefore we are given hope that one day we will be made perfect and holy just as He is. Sharing in His glory for all eternity. 
I just clicked my iPhone and I realized I spent 30 minutes, so we got to wrap up here. I still have a few verses to go. We'll have to go faster. We have a hope that we can rejoice in. We have a certain promise that because we have received and been received by faith this justification, this righteousness of Christ, we have a hope that we can look forward to. And this ought to give us great cause for rejoicing in this life. What is astonishing is that Paul says more than that. So we've received justification. We've received peace with God. We have this hope that we, we can rejoice in, which is the glory of God that we will have ultimately and fully re- realize when the second coming occurs. But Paul says even more than that. Could you think of something more than that? More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings. So more than even looking down the quarter of time and realizing that there's going to come a time where we will see God with unveiled face and in an instant be transformed into his likeness, even more than that, we can rejoice in our happy days. That's not what it says. Even more than that, we can rejoice in our sufferings. Why? Knowing that sufferings produce endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope. Suffering in this life for the believer is subservient to our hope in God. Our sufferings serve our ultimate end. Our sufferings serve to sanctify, to increase our hope in God. Now, you'll have to go home and read commentaries and meditate upon what more that means. (laughs) But for what I can give you here with the, the, the waning minutes, as we suffer in this life, God uses all of our sufferings to increase and strengthen our hope, our understanding of his steadfastness and love that never fails. Despite our darkest days, God's faithfulness shines all the brighter. As the blackness of suffering and sin increase, perhaps in our lives, the greater we suffer, the greater God's love and faithfulness shines forth in our lives. That's why Paul can say, and I'll have to end with this, Our hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit given to us. You see, I hoped last night that OSU would pull out a win. But my hope was dependent upon a bunch of young 20-somethings beating that team that they played, which shall not be named. But at the end of the day... That hope was dependent upon failed, you know, flawed human beings that, that fail. Now that's pretty making light of something, but you and I, our hope is anchored, among other things, here in chapter 5 on what? 
on the love of God. Now your love and my love fail all the time. Our spouses, our loved ones will attest to that. We're pretty crummy lovers. But our security, our attainment of the hope of becoming like Christ fully and perfectly, our becoming, our, our ultimately enjoying that promise that God will be our God and we will be His people for all eternity hinges upon His love for us and not our love for Him. It hinges not on our, the strength of our faith, but on the strength of the one in whom our faith resides and clings to. God sheds his love in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us, who is a seal of the promises and the hope that we have in Christ. My friend, if you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, God's love is shed abroad in your hearts and He will keep you. And no matter what happens in this life, no matter what suffering you go through, no matter how short your life is, no matter how long your life is, His love will hold you fast. And I'll tell you what, there is nothing that can make you more excited than that. There is no treasure that we can look to, no financial security that we can look to. There is no attainment in this life that can cause such joy as the joy of that, that, that pro, pro, proceeds from our knowledge of being put in a state of peace with God and that His love is fastened to us and will keep us till that final hour when He shall come again and take us up to be with Him forever and ever. Well, we'll have to stop there and let's pray and, and keep going. Our great God and Heavenly Father, we praise You. You are good and holy. Lord, we were in a perilous place, at war with You, at enmity with You, and what is more, You were at enmity with us. Your wrath was displayed towards all ungodliness and even towards us. We thank You that the Lord Jesus Christ took all the wrath all of the punishment that was due our sin. We thank you that by faith we receive this righteousness by which we are justified. We thank you that it is through faith that we enter into a place of peace with you. Lord, help us to trust in you. Help us to look to the Lord Jesus Christ, the founder and perfecter of our faith. Help us to rejoice to rejoice every day and even in our sufferings. We ask, Lord, that you would deepen our understanding of this relationship that we have with you in Christ, that we would glorify and honor you. In Jesus' name, amen.